So, but human connect, connection at the end of the day is it stays the same. It comes down to communication. And so we're more limited in the ways that we can communicate. We don't have the in-person environment, but we have a lot of other means of communicating. And I think we just have to continue to invest in those relationships through continuous um, communication and, and being um, transparent, I think, in our communications about our capacities, how we're doing, uh, and how how much bandwidth we have to take things on or not, both in terms of your home team and your work team. And I think that's really important for women because you need both teams to really know where you're at in order to continue to succeed in what you do. You need your home team to support you and you need your work team to support you. Hello and welcome to the Law Firm Intelligence Podcast. I'm your host, Lindsay Griffiths, Executive Director of the International Lawyers Network. And we have two guests this week. We're very excited to welcome Mariah Graves and from Fogler Rubinoff and uh, Yadira Flores, also from Fogler Rubinoff. Um, so why don't the two of you introduce yourselves and the firm, tell us a little bit about yourselves. Uh, Mariah, why don't you go first? Thank you, Lindsay. I'm really excited to be with you this afternoon. So my name is Mariah Graves. I am the Director of Professional Development at Fogler Rubinoff. Um, I've been with the firm for almost 22 years. I was a litigation lawyer for the first 17 years um, and then switched to this position about four or five years ago. Um, for anybody not familiar with Fogler Rubinoff, we're a mid-sized full-service firm um, and we're based in Toronto, Ontario, Canada. Thanks so much. All right, Yadira, why don't you tell us about yourself? Yeah, sure. So thank you as well for having us. We're, um, I'm also very excited. Um, so my name is Yadira. I'm a partner at Fogler Rubinoff. I've uh, been at the firm for just over a decade now. I started out um, as a summer student, moved on to articles, and, um, and then have practiced in a couple of areas at the firm over the last decade. Right now, I'm focused on practicing in the Indigenous space. I help Indigenous governments with uh, negotiating and executing business deals in the energy sector, infrastructure, construction, and the like. And uh, we do that through partnerships, joint ventures, and commercial agreements, and all sorts of other solicitor work. Well, that's really cool. Uh, we don't do too much of that here in the States, so that's really very interesting. Yeah, it's been a very busy, actually, uh, uh, practice area over the last few years. Very cool. active. Cool. All right. So let's jump into our questions for today. We've got a really interesting set of questions. Um, Yadira, we're going to start with you. Uh, how has the pandemic disproportionately affected women in the workplace? Yeah, so I don't think it's uh, a secret that over the last couple of years, women have assumed additional and intensified childcare responsibilities because of the closure of daycares and extracurricular activities in schools. Um, so a lot of you know, women have had to downshift their careers or step out of the workforce altogether 
And there's a really interesting study that was done by McKinsey and Company in partnership with Lean In Org. I don't know if you're familiar with it, but it's mm -hmm. um, about women in the workplace uh, in 2021. It's and it's one of the largest studies conducted, and they found that women were increasingly more burned out. Um, in 2021 than in the previous year, and also increasingly more burned out than men. And um, so, you know, you take those two things together, it sounds like there's a, a sort of health aspect to this. And then there's also an impact to the career. And that can also affect families and all of that. So I think the the burden has been very, very uh, large on women. And uh, it has been disproportionate in terms that it's affecting women more than perhaps the men um, in similar situations. Yeah, sure. Um, are you seeing that at the firm as well? Um, is that something that that you guys are facing at Fowler's? I don't know if I've seen it like directly at the firm, but I can see sort of anecdotally that I have friends where, for instance, there may be a lawyer-lawyer couple, but it's the woman who might be, they're saying, you know, we can't manage the situation uh, especially if they have kids or other responsibilities to, to care for elders. And they've decided between themselves that it'll be the woman who will take a leave, for instance. Um, so I do, I see that it is happening. I don't know if necessarily this is something that I'm seeing directly at the firm, but I am seeing it at sort of at large, you know, with other women professionals. Yeah. Yeah. So sort of a, a counter question to that and, and it sort of connects to that is how has it affected women in terms of leadership and leadership opportunities? Yeah, so I mean, I think a couple of things like on the one hand, if women are downshifting, taking leaves, uh, taking a, a step back in their careers, they can't simultaneously be pursuing additional work responsibilities and perhaps advancement um, in their careers. So there's a sort of direct correlation there in terms of progress. Um, but interestingly enough, the McKinsey study also noted that even during this time where women are stretched thin, a lot of women in leadership positions are the ones that are stepping in to help with employee well-being. And they are the ones who are leading the way in terms of diversity and inclusion, equity, diversity and inclusion initiatives. And they're providing all, all of these additional benefits, but their work in those spaces isn't necessarily being recognized or valued in the same way as other work. And so that's, again, an effect on their ability to, if it's not being recognized, then they're not being given the advancement opportunities or the financial rewards that come along with doing the extra work. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I've, I've read similar things. Um, and do you think that um, women, I, I just read an article about this the other day, that the impact of remote work, um, and there's, there's two kinds of remote work. There's women who work remotely all the time. And then there's women who are working remotely some of the time Well, they'll be, they'll be in the office part-time and then, um, working remotely part-time. Um, do you think there's a, a sort of impact that that's having where, uh, women might be missing out on opportunities that are happening in the office because they're taking advantage of the fact that remote work is so accessible these days? Yeah, so actually, I think Mariah is going to touch upon some of these issues um, later in our conversation when it comes to hybrid workplaces and uh, what what we can expect in terms of whether people are going to 
you know, perhaps we have to be very active about ensuring that they're not disadvantaged by taking advantage of the remote work opportunities. And I think you're absolutely right that like more women would be inclined to want to, to have those flexible work arrangements or work from home because of like childcare responsibilities and all these things that we've talked about. Um, and so I, I think that there is a sort of a natural human tendency to, um, you know, build relationships more with the ones who are around you. So if women are not there, then, or others are not there, then there's going to be a natural tendency to prefer those who you're working with in person. But I think we have to make, take active steps to work against that so that people aren't disadvantaged. But I, I think it, it's possible that yes, women would be impacted more if um, they're the ones who are not necessarily present in person. Yeah, yeah. Um, Mariah, for you, um, what do you think are the impacts then on young lawyers? Um, obviously we've had um, the last couple of years and I'm now sort of going into year three where um, we've got these young lawyers building their practices and careers and they're not able to learn in the same way that uh, that they used to from um, senior partners who are are not going to be in the office. And we're expecting the younger partners maybe to be in the office or, or some of them are not going to be in the office as much. So how are they being impacted by all of this? Well, I think the biggest impact over the past, the past few years has been the loss of the teaching and learning that happens when we're together in the office. Um, so for example, if um, there's a corporate agreement that a, an associate is drafted and the senior lawyer wants to sit down and go through some of the changes that have been made that are going to be made to the agreement. Um, in the pre-pandemic world, they would sit together in a boardroom side by side and go through the agreement um, and discuss the changes, um, why the changes were made, um, and the associate can ask some questions at that time. Whereas I think in the, the COVID, the pandemic world, what often happens is the partner is going to send um, an email to the associate with track changes, um, and they're not going to have the same opportunity to discuss uh, the changes. So obviously the in-person environment um, and the teaching and the learning um, are, are certainly less than ideal when you're not together in person. Um, the other thing that I've definitely seen a lot during the pandemic is that without access to mentors or senior lawyers close by, a lot of young lawyers spend a lot of time spinning their wheels at home, trying to find, um, trying to answer their own question um, that really would have been cleared up within a minute or two if they could have just stuck their head in the lawyer's office next to them. Um, so getting answers um, to simple questions quickly has definitely been another negative impact. Um, although it's not necessary, I think young lawyers feel like they have to schedule a time to speak with a senior lawyer as opposed to just picking up the phone and calling them. So as a result of that, I, I see them spending a lot of time trying to get to the answer themselves. Um, and then it's not always a, a, an efficient use of time. Um, so one of the things we've really tried to do to kind of, once I realized this was an issue, one of the things I've really encouraged our lawyers to do is to pick up the phone and call the associate when they're giving them the initial file assignment, um, because this gives them the opportunity to connect, first of all, but also to get some background information about the file. And then at that moment, the associate can maybe ask some questions that they have initially before they get started on the project. So I think those are probably the biggest impacts that I've seen over the past few years. Yeah, yeah, I can imagine. I, I didn't even think of that, um, that sort of 
um, you know, trying to figure out their own answers uh, as being such a such a big impact. And that makes a lot of sense. Um, and I would imagine, too, that lawyers tendency towards autonomy um, and, and working independently really works against them in that uh, in that uh, instance as well. Exactly. I think it's a lot more daunting to, you know, make it, you know, call a senior lawyer and ask a question versus popping your head in um, into their office and asking a quick question. So for sure. Yeah. yeah. Um, so has the firm done anything differently to address the impacts on women and young lawyers? Yes, for sure. Let me start with women first. So one of the things that we've actually re recently established, it was an initiative that was brought forward by two of our associates, is we've developed um, a mentoring program just for women called Women at Fogler's um, with the full support of our executive committee. And what this is going to do, it's going to create our, uh, an opportunity for our women to learn from each other and to feel comfortable raising and discussing gender specific issues that they may um, encounter in their practice. Um, so that's really just something that we're getting off the ground, but we're really excited about that. Um, with our younger lawyers, we've really tried to work hard to make sure that they're feeling connected and still getting good mentorship, even when it's in the virtual world. So we've had lots of, lots of touch points. Um, myself, the department chair and their mentors are regularly, you know, you know, calling them, meeting over Zoom to see how they're doing, discussing workload and any work work related issues that may be coming up. Um, at the beginning of the pandemic, I was actually talking to every associate and every student once a week. Um, as the two years have gone on, we do that a little bit less frequently. And then we're also encouraging coffee chats, which is an opportunity to just connect as people, um, you know, not necessarily to discuss any work-related issues, but just talk to talk about things that are going on in each other's lives so that we feel connected. Um, I think one last thing that we're doing is what I've really tried to do, we've really tried to do is encourage respect for people's time away from the office. Um, so one of the things I've asked senior lawyers to do is to really avoid sending emails or scheduling meetings um, late at night or on the weekends. Of course, unless it's necessary from a client service perspective. Um, so we've encouraged them to either use the delay send feature so that they can type it at three in the morning when they're awake, but the associate isn't gonna get it until nine o'clock that morning or to just put a line in the email that says, I just want to let you know, I'm sending this on Friday night to get this off my plate. I don't need you to respond till Monday, or this isn't urgent. Um, I, saw, I saw an email from an email signature line that said, from someone that said, I appreciate that my working hours may be different from your working hours. So please don't feel the need to respond immediately. Um, so I think that that's been helpful. And I know even when I'm talking to our managing partner, Michael Slan, when I, sometimes he'll send me an email on the weekend and he'll put that in there saying, you know what, I'm just sending it to you right now to get it off my plate, but please don't respond till Monday. So those are some of the things that we've tried to do to kind of help our women and our, our younger lawyers during the pandemic. I love that. I wish that whoever, I'm not going to mention any names, but there's somebody who's been texting me at night and on the weekends. And I really wish that <laughs> that person <laughs> would be a little more respectful of, uh, of our time. But uh, yeah, uh, I think if we could all do those kinds of things, I think it would be a lot, a lot better. So um, Yadira, how do you advocate for yourself during a time of global crisis? I think, you know, it can be really hard. Uh, I know it's, it's been really hard for me. So, um, you know, how do you advocate for yourself and how do you support others on your team and in your office? 
Yeah, so I mean, I guess I have a question back as to um, what do you think specifically about the global crisis that makes it more difficult to advocate for yourself? Yeah, that's a good question. I think um, I've thought a lot about this. And I think what it is, is that it, there's this constant level of uncertainty and anxiety um, that makes it challenging. Yeah, that's fair. Um, you know, because I was going to say, I, I think in some ways, the way you advocate for yourself is similar to times where things are normal, which is you have to invest in your relationships continuously, and you have to keep lines of communication open continuously, so that when an issue comes up that you need to talk about, it's not as though it's not a monumental thing, because you've had continuous engagement. Um, and so, certain things that just maybe seem basic, but checking in on people, seeing how they're doing, um, whether it's checking in on people more senior or people more junior, right? Uh, we're, we've all been dealing with a heightened level of stress over the last two years. And the challenges range from health in our family to um, just overall stress from the news and what has been going on to learning curves and being in a virtual environment. So, but human connect, connection at the end of the day is it stays the same. It comes down to communication. And so we're more limited in the ways that we can communicate. We don't have the in-person environment, but we have a lot of other means of communicating. And I think we just have to continue to invest in those relationships through continuous um, communication and, and being um, transparent, I think, in our communications about our capacities, how we're doing, uh, and how, how much bandwidth we have to take things on or not, both in terms of your home team and your work team. And I think that's really important for women because you need both teams to really know where you're at in order to continue to succeed in what you do. You need your home team to support you and you need your work team to support you so that you can be successful in your work. Um, so in terms of supporting people, in our team, it's kind of the same, the same thing, keeping the lines of communication open, checking in, being kind, being thoughtful. Uh, I think those things, those basic things go a long way. Yeah, yeah, no, I totally agree. Um, I mean, I think, and I think the pandemic has really taught us all that the more open and honest and even vulnerable that we are, the more effective we are at, um, at getting things done. Um, so yeah, absolutely. No, yeah. go ahead. No, I, I was just going to say, I mean, I think if, if we expect like, nobody is a mind reader, right? Like I'm sure people with spouses, you'll have your husband say like, I can't read your mind. So unless you tell me, you know, what the issue is or what you need help on it, people don't necessarily know. So that's where I think it, I know that we're all afraid of a backlash, but I think it's important to be brave in those times and being authentic about what your needs are to give yourself a shot at being, at reaching your goals. Yeah. And I think we found that in the workplace that that's worked very well over the last two years. Um, you know, when we tell our teams what we need, uh, when we tell our colleagues what we need, um, we found that uh, we've been able to, um, to actually get what we need. And, you know, over the last two years, I think we found that that's worked um, effectively uh, m much more than in the past. Um, which yeah. And just, I guess one more thing that I had um, thought of, of raising is that being a, a good team member, being good to each other in 
covering each other on files so that people could take real vacation time. Those kinds of uh, actions, I think, also build a lot of goodwill in your team. And so it just functions better, right? And you have a longer term relationship with those team members, which is good for everybody. Mm -hmm. And I think I've learned too, that actually taking that vacation time, as much as it's difficult to do and really disconnect, it make, it doesn't actually make you a better employee. Um, it's hard to do, but when you really step away from your work, you come back refreshed and your mind is much more clear to effectively do the work that you want to do. So, um, you know, I, it seems counterintuitive to actually say, I'm not needed at the office for, you know, two weeks, but, um, you really aren't. <laughs> and, uh, and if you can get someone to cover you and then come back and, and, uh, be refreshed, you really are more effective, um, at your, at your job. 100%. So, yeah. Um, Mariah, what are your main challenges in today's marketplace? <laughs> <laughs> um, so I think I have two. The first one is something that both you and Yadira um, touched on earlier. Um, and this is the challenge I think we're going to have definitely over the next six months as we return to the office and we try to implement the hybrid workplace. Um, the research shows, I think, that this is an issue that's likely, as we mentioned before, going to impact women more than men primarily because women still seem to have a preference to uh, stay at home and work as opposed to returning to the office. Um, and that I was actually gonna talk, it's like you set this up perfectly earlier, but one of the things it's like, there's an in-person in bias that basically can exist in hybrid work, work uh, situations. And this, the in-person the in bias, basically it's, it's the perception that people that are in the office are working longer and working harder than those that are at home. And of course, for many of us over the past two years, we know that that's not true because I think for many of us, we've probably been working longer hours um, than ever when we were working at home because we don't have as much separation necessarily from our work and our home life. Um, and so this in-person bias you know, has the potential to uh, disproportionately reward those that choose to spend time in the office. Um, so as a result, the people that are in the office um, tend to have greater access to opportunities for interesting or challenging work, um, networking opportunities, and potentially even the, the, the possibility of being promoted to partnership. Um, so I think uh, we as firms are going to have to re work really hard to develop policies and procedures to make sure that this bias is mitigated and that all lawyers are getting access to the same opportunities. Um, one example I think that we're going to have to think about is, is hybrid meetings, you know, to make sure that the people that are calling into a meeting are feeling as included and um, are participating in the call in the same way that the people that are sitting around the boardroom table are. I think, you know, the, the, the risk is that people around the boardroom table are having conversations and the person that's called in virtually is going to feel excluded from those. So I think that's probably the biggest challenge um, as we return to the office um, over the next few months. Um, I think another issue that I think law firms have dealt with, not just, a, you know, probably over the past couple of years, the legal market's been very hot and there's been a lot of movement. So continuing to retain our talent is something that we're going to have to continue to work on. And so I think, you know, for us, what we're going to focus on is, you know, inclusion, collaboration, work-life balance. And we want people to have 
autonomy and flexibility, because I think those are things that are important um, to the people that we work with. So I think we as a firm really just need to pay attention um, to what our, what our people need um, and to find out what motivates them and uh, to provide them with those opportunities um, so that they continue to feel belong, that they continue to feel like they belong and that they're connected. Yeah, and I think those are probably similar challenges to what other industries are facing too. I mean, you know, with this sort of great resignation that we're seeing, you know, across across many industries, um, a lot of people are are looking at some of those same challenges, especially with talent, uh, making sure that people do feel like they belong and are 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 getting you know that sense of fulfillment in the work that they're doing. So. Um, I think a lot of a lot of industries are are seeing the same thing. So I think you know we're all looking at um, how how do people get that sense of belonging? Do they feel fulfilled? Um, so uh, I think it'll be an interesting time as we do return to work um, and our our people. It's sort of you know the the time of the worker. Are we all? Um, is everyone getting what they want at work? And um, uh, I think it will be really interesting to see what that uh, what that impact is. Absolutely. We're just our return to the office starts next week. So um, we've pretty much been um, for the most part, I mean, we've always been open. And so some people have continued to go to work every day, the entire pandemic. But for most people, next week is going to is going to be the start of the return to work policy. So um, so we're excited um, and to see what happens and excited to be together again. But no doubt there'll be some bumps along the road. Of course, of course. And yeah, I think there's still probably some fear and some adjustment to happen, but uh, it'll be interesting to see how that goes. That's for sure. And then the question I think uh, that nobody wants to answer, but um, you know, there's been a lot of changes in the legal industry over the last you know, 10 years, certainly, but we've seen an acceleration of those changes in the last 18 months. Um, we still have one of the highest incidences of mental health crisis in any profession because of the pressure and intensive nature of the work that we do. Um, and I'm wondering if you think we'll ever change the way that the profession frames personal and professional success to alleviate some of these pressures. What do you, what do you think? Well, Lindsay, I would really love to say yes. Um, <laughs> but you know, the problem is fundamentally as lawyers, um, you know, we have to service our clients. Um, and so in order to do that, we have to respond um, to our clients' needs. So if our clients stop calling us on the weekend or in evenings, then maybe yes. But of course, we know that that's not necessarily um, how it works. Um, with respect to the mental health um, piece that you mentioned, we've certainly um, purposely really increased the support and the resources um, for our for our firm over the past few years. Um, we've already had um, a couple professional speakers in in 2022 already um, in order to make sure that we're getting the lawyers, our lawyers, the supports um, that they need in order to succeed. So um, that's my honest answer. My honest answer is I'd love to say yes, but I think, you know, at the bottom, you know, as a lawyer, um, you have to keep your, your clients satisfied. And if you don't, then they're going to go next door and they're going to find someone that's going to respond to their email at 11 o'clock. So um, I think that we're getting better. I think that, you know, people are getting better at putting some boundaries, um, taking time off to disconnect. So I definitely think that I've seen um, some progress, um, but I think, I think, um, it's never going to be a nine to five Monday to Friday profession. 
No, Peter, I don't know if you have any thoughts. Well, yeah, I mean, so, something that you just said just made me think of um, a book I had read, which is Norm Bacall's Take Charge book. And he talks about, there's this, this part at the beginning, he talks about plurality. So, <laughs> which is, which is the, the connection between perception and reality when it comes to client service. So he gives the example of being at a restaurant and, you know, what's your experience if you go and it's very busy and nobody can tend to you, but somebody comes to you and says, you know, we know you're waiting, you know, here's some appetizers while you're waiting and we'll get to you as soon as possible versus if you just don't get a response. So there are some tactics that you can employ when things you're underwater, things are really busy, where you are still doing the client service and you are answering the clients and you're letting, again, coming down to communication, you're letting them know that you will come back to them in, two, you know, exactly two days or whatever time frame you need and just making sure that that's okay. Um, and sometimes it won't be. But I think just in the way that you manage those expectations and you communicate about what, you know, when you can realistically get to something and if it's reasonable and all of that, then you keep the clients happy while also not necessarily, you, you know, um, affecting your own mental health or whatever it is because you're trying to set some boundaries. So I think there's tactics that one can use when it comes to giving good client service, but also trying to balance your, your personal life. Um, and in terms of, yeah, success, I think, uh, I think, I think we all have to redefine success for ourselves. Like, what does it mean? What does it mean to be successful? And the legal profession is no different in terms of trying to come to terms with what does it mean to be successful? Is it just becoming a partner at a law firm or are there other ways to be a successful lawyer? And I think I think that is a, an ongoing you know, conversation that only individuals can answer for themselves, but in terms of as a profession, yeah, we should definitely expand our definition of success because in my view, success is what makes you fulfilled in your career. That's when you are successful, right? So finding ways to become fulfilled in your career is a path to success. Um, and we should celebrate those things and those different paths more. Yeah. The one thing, the one thing I would say is that one of the great things I think about the legal profession is that, you know, our days are flexible. So, um, you know, when we talk about mental health and prioritizing yourself and mental wellness, you know, what if uh, you're a morning person, you can get up early and, you know, work, um, you know, get in, get in a lot of work earlier in the day when you're more productive. Um, and then, you know, take off, you know, earlier in the evening. Um, whereas if you're, a, you know, a night person, you might start your day a little bit earlier or later, but then, you know, you're also going to finish later. And if you want to go for a walk or a run or, uh, you know, when you're working from home during your lunch, you can do that. So I think that that's one of the great things about the profession is if you get your work done, you sometimes have the flexibility about when you get it done. So I think that's a positive thing um, that I think is good to focus on sometimes. It's true. I mean, your days can be long, but you're right. I mean, as long as you're serving your clients, you can sort of do your work whenever uh, suits you. Absolutely. Yeah. So totally outside of what we've been discussing, one of the questions I always like to ask at the end of this podcast is what is one thing that you're really enjoying right now? I'm enjoying being able to travel again. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
my my friends are teasing me that I've making up for lost time, but so I've I've actually managed to get away three times since January. So nice. um, for just short, short little, you know, four, four day kind of trips. So I'm really enjoying that's what I'm really enjoying for sure. That's great. How about you, Yudira? Um, I'm enjoying, so I bought toddler twins and I'm really enjoying watching them grow. Like, yeah, I'm really enjoying the stage of, uh, the kids life. They're just a bundle of joy and they're super cute and they're starting to, you know, they want to, they want to sleep together now, which is like, <laughs> it's so adorable. So yeah, I'm just really enjoying motherhood. That's wonderful. So cute. Well, thank you so much to both of you. I really appreciate your time all of your insights. And um, thank you so much to our listeners as well. We'll be back next week with another guest. And in the meantime, please take a moment to rate, review, and subscribe over on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. Thank you so much. Thanks, Lindsay. Thank you. Being law firms, real intelligence.